I'm Floyd Hall. The Spelman College Museum of Fine Art is presenting a new exhibition entitled Africa Forecast, Fashioning Contemporary Life, which coincides with the commemoration of the museum's 20th anniversary. I recently spoke with visual artist Lena Iris Victor, whose work is included in the exhibition. I'm Floyd Hall, and I am here today on the campus of Spelman College for the Spelman College Museum of Fine Art, and I have the pleasure of speaking with visual artist Lena Iris Victor. Lena, how are you? I'm good. Thank you very much for having me, Floyd. I'm glad to have some time with you today as well. I'm very fascinated by the color palette that you use in your work, because I feel like there's something very powerful about the combination of colors, or maybe it's how you use those colors. Mm -hmm. um, could you speak to that in terms of uh, your thought process and how you, you crafted that together? Sure. First, I'll speak about the actual colors I use and then the way that they're put together and why they it kind of has this um, clear sim symbology between the two colors and the actual uh, patternings. Um, the colors, I look at them, I need to look at myself as using one color, actually, and that's the majorelle blue or the indigo, if you will. That is a pigment, that is a color. I look at black and white as being the two extremities of the color scale. So it's the absence or the complete, um, you know, absorption of light, I guess. So white and black are values to me. And and then gold is a metal, obviously, and it can, it can, you can create a gold color, but I use the actual metal. So um, those those choices were, were very um, organic when I first started. Those were the colors I was drawn to. I liked the idea of control of limitations because I feel like within limitations you can actually uh, explore immensely but you have to have a, a certain set of boundaries before you can start kind of really figuring out how you can explore within them and um, and then the way that I use the colors in terms of the patternings and the abstractions um, those are those patterns and I believe that people, the reason why people resonate with patterns is because we exist in a pattern-based universe. So everything around us is pattern-based. Um, we resonate with it, I think, on a very, very uh, physiological level. It's in our DNA to understand like patterns. Um, and so my use of patterns with those colors are, I think, just is, is almost like an ancient form of a conversation. Because although the symbols I use, which are actually taken from scripts, um, a lot of different African scripts and tribal cultural um, kind of signifiers. Um, even though they're not literally translatable, like English used to French, for example, I think that they're translatable on an emotional level, and you can pull things from it on that on that level, which maybe you couldn't do if it was just reading, like reading a book that's in, a, you know, a re regular Western kind of, um, you know, language or, or typeface or script. Uh, so that is, I think, what makes it kind of impactful is, is that these things I literally think are in our DNA, you know, cultures have used blue and gold and those color schemes since the days of yore, since the beginning of time, and I think that they're just very powerful in terms of being able to resonate with people. I want to talk to you about your mythology or the mythology of your work that you... The mythology. Yeah. Um, you know, I do a lot of, I do works that are kind of split. I do abstract works and I do works that I guess you could say are portraitures. And it, it's, it, they are myself within the works, but I don't view them as self-portraits because that's not kind of the um, underlying impetus or the narrative that I'm trying to explain with a story. The, the, the whole idea of like 
the, the body and the abstract that surrounds it is almost the idea of oneness on an elemental level. It's the conversation around, um, you know, the fact that I use gold and I use a very particular color palette, very limited color palette, of which there actually is only one color, which is, you know, often at times I use blue, but mostly it's black and white, which I view as values, not as colors, and then gold, which is a metal, not a color again. So um, these, in, in kind of creating this immersive, uh, I guess worlds where body and abstract kind of merge together. The conversation is not even about myself. I feel like self-portraiture is very, um, you know, self-reflective, and it's trying to evoke something or speak to something that's like you're trying to discover within yourself, or you're trying to kind of amplify or project into the world. And that's not what these that portrait is about. Um, it's more about uh, the symbiosis of us with the world around us. Um, so that's kind of. You know, the, the reason why I use gold um, pretty much at this point exclusively is because for me there's a, there's a spiritual quotient to gold that I think us as a society has lost. We, we regard gold as a, a tool, of a monetary tool basically, of, of a commodity. And I believe and I know from my research there were times, um, you know, in days of yore, ancient histories, or not even that ancient, but times before, people have appropriated gold in different ways, and in different ways. And one of the ways that gold has been used before was to kind of be this conduit, this bridge between worlds. Um, you look at, you know, ancient Egyptian culture. You look at a lot of South American cultures, the Aztecs, the Mayans. You know, it was almost like um, used. It was used as a burial rite. It was used as a way to kind of um, glorify their dead because they understood that the dead, that, that the dying of the body is not the dying of the of the soul. So the soul continues its journey. And gold was used because of its kind of ethereal or transcendent kind of qualities as that kind of passageway between worlds. There's that aspect. There's also the aspect of gold as a cosmic kind of, um, you know, metal and the story of how it's even created and how it was deposited on earth which i think is just spectacular and we can go into that more i guess um over our conversation and and yeah and so basically it's almost like i want to re re um integrate this kind of very transcendent um metal back into our our psyche in a way that is more glorious than the way we use it and barter with it today basically so in, in, your, in your research, because I, I feel like you spend a lot of time delving into how all of these things connect, um, what is or when did you first begin to have this fascination with uh, the history, the science, the mathematics, the ancient uh, civilizations? When did that first start for you? Um, I think I've always been kind of intrigued by it. I kind of grew up in a, in a context where I was surrounded by a lot of art that wasn't necessarily only Western art. And so um, probably that was early kind of a more, um, you know, uh, I guess it wasn't as an obvious. It was, le it was more, it, it was more, um, you know, it had, my parents basically are big collectors of art, and I guess I was imbued from a very early age with that, with those stories and those narratives that aren't necessarily only within the Western context. So that kind of spurred it on. I also went to school in London, so the histories I learned were not histories of America. They were histories of, you know, ancient cultures and European history of the Western world. So like, you know, like all of European history, basically, not even not American history. And that is very much like if you look at the ancient Greeks, like that's very much built upon the structure 
pictures of ideologies and philosophies of the ancient Egyptians, and um, and then you know you can track back from there. So, you know, Nubian culture as well. So basically, my interest, I guess, started when I started to use the materials I did because that was a very organic and symbiotic type of a choice to use that, those colors. And then from my doing so, I started having conversations with different scholars, academics, you know, different people just reviewing my work who had this knowledge of the importance in the context of art history of these colors um, or these values or these metals and how they've been kind of um, placed together throughout time. And so basically it kind of spurred on. It was more of a, I started using those materials and then I started to educate myself afterwards about the gravitas of it and how many cultures have used it thus far and for what purposes. And that's kind of taken my work in a very different place than when I first started in 2014. You're born to Liberian parents mm -hmm. here in the States, technically. Um, and then you have had this international sort of experience or, or a global experience, both within your, your life and also with your work. Mm -hmm. So how does that play into um, your re-envisioning history mm -hmm. and re-envisioning your context as an artist in terms of how you present your work to the world? Well, I mean, I think there's a certain kind of, um, you know, stereotype I believe exists amongst black artists, black female artists, or black artists in general, that you must be dealing with your race when you work and you must be dealing with the context of your, of, of you know, more recent history, which is that of being kind of subjugated or you know, marginalized, and my work doesn't deal with any of those things. Um, and I think the reason why I approach the work, the work the way I do, and want to kind of tap into stories that are actually heralding our history rather than, you know, downplaying or or kind of t talking about the more recent, less you know, <laughs> less uh, I guess supportive aspect of our of our of our history as Black people in the world of the diaspora and also on the continent, is because there was a time when we we had and we understood our power um, and so my the way that I kind of approach my work is is kind of tapping into those stories which are world stories and not stories that are particular to one locale and not particular to you know African-American history is not particular to a locale on the continent my stories are, are much larger I even pull from Aboriginal culture you know um, in Australia and, and that of, of, of indigenous Australians um, because there's a there's a clear parallel it's a clear connection in terms of the narratives and the stories that these cultures have had in the past and those that still survive have today and there's a clear a, a, I think spiritual quotient about how the way they look at the world around them which is again like I said much more based on this like symbiosis versus us and then the world and the environment around you there's an interconnectedness and that's kind of the the overarching kind of dialogue I'm having with the work um, and yeah, I mean, that is that is to me a, a more worldly perspective, and it's not a negative is or a more positive thing. It just is, I think, a very much a product of my upbringing. I grew up in a, I went to boarding school from when I was 10 to 16, and I was surrounded by girls from all over the world. Um, so I never really had a particularly British upbringing. I never had an American upbringing. I never had these kind of very clear divisions. I kind of just took from a lot of different things um, growing up. And, and I used to practice different religious kind of traditions of from, from Islam to Judaism to Christianity. It was very open to me because uh, I had those people at my fingertips to teach me those things. And at the crux of it, there's a very clear 
symbiosis and all those things as well. Um, so my worldview is is that I am a steward of the world. I don't really belong to one particular place, and so I pull from everything. And that's that's kind of I don't know if that's a little different, but it's not what's expected. I think. You mentioned about your constellation series um, that you're in the work, mm-hmm. and that it's not a self-portrait, but there is some level of sub-documentation mm-hmm. that does go along with that. So how how conscious are you of of yourself, and how much attention do you pay to yourself? as you're putting yourself in the work? Um, you know, I'm, I'm a very self-reflective person in that I spend a lot of time alone trying to f- kind of figuring out, I guess, like the, the trying to figure out the bigger questions in life. Um, and so the use of myself, like I literally consider it as form. I don't consider it to be, a, like I said, about my own, you know, engagement or, or, or imposition into the work. Um, to me, it's about the immediacy of my being present. Um, and so because I'm present and because I know what I'm trying to evoke within a particular image or the energy I'm trying to kind of, rather than having to pull that out of somebody else um, or direct somebody else in a way, it's like it's, it just it's, it makes my process much more seamless to use myself um, and that is you know like I don't know how else to describe but say that it's not really about because I look at self-portraiture as a means of trying to reveal something or trying to you know discover something about yourself that maybe you didn't uh, you didn't know before um, through an image or through you know imposing yourself into different kind of you know worlds and if you're talking about painting but for me, it's actually the complete opposite. It's, it's about literal form, like the female form, which 50% of the world have. So it could be me, but I'm completely painted, I'm completely abstracted. So it could be me, a lot of people don't even know it's me. It could be anybody, really. Um, so that abstraction, I think, makes it less about self, less self-referential, less um, about the self, you know? In those moments of uh, reflection that you that you just referenced, what is the last big thing you've contemplated? <laughs> um, I mean, it's a big question. Uh, you know, there's a constant to me. There's a constant understanding of my purpose, mm-hmm. right? Like, what am I here to do? What am I here to impart? How can I be a, a, a beneficial person within society? Um, what can I what can I impart that maybe is not fitting in with the status quo? Not just to be contrarian, but to offer people different viewpoints of the world around them. Because we are kind of placed in a situation where a lot of people are forced to think the same, um, to conform. And I just I see that there's so much more beyond that box. So if you can, if I could be of any assistance in kind of cracking that box open or raising the idea of the ceiling up on your head that is not actually there, if I can be a, a, a kind of, you know, if I can be the conduit or it's like the, the channel with which people can see there's a bigger, you know, there's something bigger out there and, and you can achieve whatever you want to achieve, like whatever your purpose is, you, you actually speak your truth and you live in your truth. Um, that it can actually yield such great results. If I could in any way show people that, then jo- then my job's done. You know, that's, that's kind of what I think about a lot with some of the work I do. In thinking about this exhibition and the notion of fashioning contemporary life, um, what do you think about how you fashion your life or how you fashion your work in terms of the decisions that you make to either go one way or a different way? 
I approach my work as a, as an an extension of myself. It's an extension of my ideologies and my um, worldview, and kind of in, in some way an idealistic view of how I think people can think um, and extend themselves beyond the boxes with which I guess society has placed us in. So, in that way. Um, it's a constant fashioning for me of my life and a sculpting, if you will, of my life. And the more I find out, the more I discover, the more I research, the more in interactions I have with people that also are opening my worldview up, um, the more that will be imbued within the work and within my own personal life. To me, there's a very, it, it's kind of contradictory because I say that the, the work I do is not self-portraiture, it's not about self, but there is a very clear, to me it's an extension, it's a pure extension of self, like what I create. So wherever I am, whatever I'm kind of um, focusing on or, or channeling or, or kind of um, being, you know, whatever, whatever information is being shared with somebody else towards me um, is being kind of imbued into the work at that time. And so it's a constant, I have no problem with change. There's a constant refashioning of myself and then the self, as I change, it gets imbued into the work I'm doing at the time. What does it mean for you to be in this exhibition in this moment right now? I mean, it's the 20th anniversary of, um, you know, of this, of the space, of the museum, and, and this is a historically black campus, and, uh, you know, as much as it's not my, my story, it's, you know, the, the, sto the, fact of the, the fact of the matter is that, that it's called Africa Forecast within an African-American kind of um, milieu, and so it's, it kind of harkens back to the origins of things, you know, like our, our own histories, um, and, but then it's also, modernizing it because it's like, but where are we now? It's like hearkening back to a time before, you know, African-Americans were, were here and, but then at the same time, it's also for fashioning a new conversation around, um, you know, around where Africa as a continent and how we're viewing Africa from America, how that is progressing and how that's moving forward. Um, it's a very particular lens and it's, it's interesting to me to see that because obviously I go to shows on the continent, I come to shows here that are dealing with our current narratives, our current kind of um, stories and it just is a very different, different lens but I think it's a, it's, a, it's a glorious one. It's a glorious lens that's being presented down there and, and a lot of the artists are African um, and and yes, and like they're all creating work that's that has a very clear through line, but it's all very different as well to basically show that this idea of you know the African artist existing within this paradigm where they have to create a certain type of art and a certain type of aesthetic um, or work with certain mediums, which are you know all the stereotypes that come along with the idea of being of African art, we're kind of breaking all those. Um, you know those boundaries or those stereotypes. Not that, it, not, not that it wasn't the case anyway, but now you're now be able to showcase. Now we're able to showcase it and and show that um, you know the art is so diverse on the continent. Lena Iris Victor, thank you for your time. Thank you very much.